This podcast is sponsored by Regatta Outdoors. It's a glorious spring day and you're heading out on a walk. What do you bring with you? A paper map? Plenty of snacks? Well, of course they're important, but any seasoned hiker will tell you that footwear is the first thing to consider. Whether you prefer relaxed rambles or challenging summits, comfortable and reliable shoes are essential. Regatta has waterproof and breathable footwear for the whole family, for every outdoor occasion. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. You're listening to The Podcast, a weekly adventure with nature in the British countryside from the people who make BBC Country Farm magazine. I'm Fergus Collins and I happen to be with the editor of the magazine and host of The Podcast, so welcome aboard. This week, our dear friend, podcaster Annabel Ross is venturing forth once more, this time to the tangled rainforest of Wisman's Wood on Dartmoor, to meet poet Elizabeth Jane Burnett. But their mission isn't to celebrate the revered twisted oak trees or the famous songbirds or even the ferns and flowers. It's the mysterious, magical and mesmerising moss, which is made especially wonderful through the eyes and verse of Elizabeth. Her new book, Twelve Words for Moss, champions this unsung hero of the plant world. Um, Elizabeth Jane, I know we're about to immerse ourselves in some moss and that's our sort of reason for being here. But could you just tell us where we are can you locate uh, us yes we're here in Wisman's Wood um, in Dartmoor and we're just sort of in the valley of the West Dart River um, it's very quiet peaceful bit of bird song there and it's about to get even more quiet and peaceful because we're about to get in amongst the mosses and are we we're just going to see what happens with the moss. We're not searching for any particular mosses? or That's right. I mean, not a lot happens with the moss. It's slow, it's quiet, um, and we're going to become slow and quiet and see how that feels. <laughs> how lovely. I can't wait. Having driven down from, from Bristol today, it's quite nice for the idea to be slow and quiet. Yes, I think perhaps not enough opportunities to be slow and quiet today in today's world. No, except it seems that you have, you having read your book, Twelve Words for Moss, it, you make out that you can spend a lot of time being quiet. Yes, I think so. And one of the great things about moss is that it's pretty much everywhere. Um, so we are lucky enough to be coming to a place that's completely steeped in mosses now um, but even when you're at home if you're living in the city you know it's all around you it's on the pavement um, it's in the cracks um, in concrete it's on the garage roof um, it's everywhere and you can just take a moment to enter its little miniature world of calmness you know sort of wherever you are and it needs a bit of respect I think moss doesn't it what is what what is moss do in our world? Moss does an awful lot for something that's so small and so simply structured. Um, it can filter water and sort of purify water. Um, it is a home for invertebrates um, and it also stores carbon, so particularly sphagnum mosses um, that we find in peatlands. Um, are really good hoarders of carbon and they keep it sort of in the ground and not in the air. Yes, I mean, I know that if you 
that if we go to a um, if one goes to a wood and you see a lot of moss and lichen it's a it's definitely a sign of a healthy wood isn't it that's right yes and here we're kind of keeping to the path um, to make sure that we keep it that way and we're not disturbing the mosses um, we don't want too much footfall on it um, you know we don't want any soil erosion things like that so we're we're going to be near the moss without doing anything to the moss just as I was about to tread on a rock covered in moss I'm You're going to go round it <laughs> Oh my goodness, okay, here we are, yes. Um, I was also told once, but I don't know if this is true, that moss on trees tends to gather on one side of the tree, but this tree, it's on all sides. Is that a thing? Someone said, oh no, that means that we're facing north, or north is up there or something, is that? A- I have heard that, but as you can see, yeah, this is, this is completely... Um, surround sound moss <laughs> every direction that you're looking at yeah this is a beautiful tree um, yeah absolutely steeped in it this is a beech tree is it yes yeah huge old gnarly spreading out comfortably in all directions and as far as as far as we know it's it's happily um, holding the moss it's not it's not holding it back from anything I mean what I mean is is the tree happy to have all the moss on it? It's a good sign. I think so, yes. They're, they make sort of bedfellows together. And, of course, the mosses don't have roots. Um, and so to, to, to get water, they kind of store it in their leaves. And it's quite a nice thing to have closely connected to you. If you think about kind of having a sponge next to you, if you need water to kind of rely on, there's the moss with its sponginess. So actually, if I was a tree, I'd want lots of moss. I, I'd like to think so. And I mean, we can see that these trees are, are clearly getting something from the exchange. But moss tends to be on trees when they're in a sort of darker forest, aren't they? I mean, of course, we walk through forests that have the trees have very little moss on them. and But in darker forests, is it to do with the, with the light? They do like shade. Um, mosses like shade, uh, yes, and, and water. Um, so these are ideal conditions Okay, a bit damp and dark. Yes, with yeah. that water running through that we can just hear trickling alongside um, and all the, the tree leaf cover. Um, it's a beautiful spot for mosses. That's the West Dart. Did you That's already say right. that? Yes, it's the West Dart. Okay, lovely. Right, I'm just going to get over the stipe. Oh. oh, now we're in the wood. Now we're in the woods. I mean, do you feel that something happens when you're near moss um, so I'll be interested to see if it's the same for you but a kind of um, stooping of the shoulders as the tension starts to go um, a deeper breath and a little bit of a slowing down um, we're just at the start really of the woodland here so we are going to get more mosses quite soon um, and we might pause when we get to you know, the, the huge boulders that are covered in mosses and just soak that in. Interesting about, um, you know, when you're in amongst the mosses, the idea of relaxing more and, and sort of de-stressing, as it's called sometimes. But um, but it's just maybe as well, it's the idea of the combination of the moss and the trees and the, and the running water and everything else. Um, I I also think if I wasn't sort of 
working <laughs> with my microphone. Um, <clears throat> my shoulders might be even further down, as it were, if that makes sense. But And also, I wanted to ask you, because um, you spend quite a lot of time on your own amongst the moss. And, I mean, in the book, you, you, you go from being on your own to friends to on your own to friends to on your own to friends. But I think sometimes it's really important to have that combination of of both, isn't it? Because they're quite different experiences when you're with someone and when you're alone. They're very different. Do you have a preference or you, you're happy to sort of combine the two? Yes, I really like both. Um, but I guess the company is important. So the kind of people that you're with really um, colour the experience too. So if you are with people like-minded who have a similar response to the moss I think that's my favorite um, sort of bringing someone else into your little quiet world and kind of sharing that together um, but you do want to be with someone who is able to pause and slow down and appreciate and not sort of wanting to get to a particular summit or um, you know reach a particular point in the walk um, that's not really what moss walking is about for me. <laughs> Have you had many of those situations where you've had to slow them down? Yes, I absolutely have. Um, and I did quite a bit of, of working with scientists and talking to people who know a lot more about moss than I do um, when I was writing the book. And um, I had to slow quite a few of them down. And it was, you know, which moss are we looking for? What exactly are we looking for in the moss? And they're 50 yards up on me while I'm just, you know, pausing, waiting, seeing what's happening, slowing down a little bit. Um, and it takes a while for me, for my receptors to kind of turn on and to start doing that kind of dance with language, which I guess is what happens when you get poets in amongst the mosses. Um, and there's some exchange there between the mosses and their language and human language. And it takes a while to tune in to that, I think. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, OK, on we go. I'm going to stick to the path. first things I'm noticing as we walk along is the different textures so I mean there's the texture underfoot we're on this um, lovely path with fallen leaves mostly um, beech leaves um, and some pine needles um, under our feet which make a lovely carpet and then to the side we've got the starts of the mosses um, kind of you know covering tree stumps boulders and the meshing of textures that you can see there is just beautiful and you've got these low creeping mosses so they're called pleurocarps the ones that sort of creep along and then you've got aquacarps which point upwards and are much more sculptural um, so you've got these different textures and directions going on in the mosses um, yeah. and happily all sort of mixing together yes. There's, yeah there's do they compete do we know or do they just happily sort of rub along Together. I think both, yeah, in, in some cases competing, in other cases really happy together. <laughs> so beautiful. It's so beautiful when you st stop and, and realise it and look at it. It's stunning. So this is common hair cap. Um, it looks like stars, kind of that starry top to them. Not just the contrast in the shape, but the contrast in colour. They're very dark compared to the very green spreading one underneath that's right so it's yeah. beautiful beautiful 
And this is one that there's a poem about in the book, if we wanted to have a look at that. We would definitely want to have a look at that. Um, Yes, please. That'd be lovely. I do remember that. So you've got... Each chapter is, is, is a story of you discovering a moss alone or with a friend, and each chapter ends with a poem about that moss. That's right. So the poems actually are kind of darted in between, um, so they don't appear in the same place in the chapters. They appear where the mosses are mentioned. Um, And actually, the original name for the poems was a poet's field guide to mosses. Um, So I'm quite interested in using poems as you would a field guide or sort of an entry for a moss in a field guide. Um, And looking at the difference in what happens in experience, you know, sort of when you're looking at a poem rather than the description um, from a field guide. Um, So here we've got Shooting Star, as I've named it. So I mentioned the star-like heads Mm. that we can see on that particular moss. Um, Actually, this is the favourite moss of my friend Louise, who's mentioned in the book and is one of the people that I go on little mossing trips with. Um, So perhaps I'll read this one for her. Um, Shooting star, common hair cap, blaze, blaze, low meteor, burning through the forest floor. Slip through rock and summer's rust, your trail of fading diamond dust. Blaze, blaze, low meteor, burning through the forest floor. When the sun above is gone, when light can't be relied upon, then you shoot your molten rock under nettle, up through dock. Blaze, blaze, low meteor, burning through the forest floor. So here we've got the um, common hair cap or shooting star again. And I think when you're just starting out looking at mosses, it's quite nice when there's one that's quite distinctive like this one is, because then you can stop and look. I mean, as you just did, you pointed at that because you remembered it from when we just looked at it. (laughs) And I think that's really nice when you can start to point out, you know, the specific ones. And you start that differentiation and it changes from being just moss to being a particular moss. And we get, you know, a sense of them being mosses in, in the plural. And this is hugging an old, uh, an old tree stump um, that, it's, that I actually also brought with me. You might be quite impressed. Ah, lens. My lens. Lovely, yes. So I might just have a if little look. If you want look. to have a little look through. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a whole it's a whole other world when you look through a yes, lens. It is. Right, so we're getting more and more mosses now. Um, more varieties. Yes, and uh, bigger boulders, which the mosses are creeping all over. So something like this, you see where it's just the moss is spreading completely over this huge boulder, I think, um, is a really wonderful effect. Um, and you've got, you know, the movement of the water behind and then this 
creeping moss over the rock and a different species up the tree. Um, I think this is where I start to feel I'm entering a bit of a different world. This moss, um, would it be right to say this moss is quite common? It's one that we would see, it's quite familiar. It is. I mean, it depends on the habitat, so it's definitely a woodland moss. This is Ritidia delphis laureus, uh, little shaggy moss. It's also one that appears in the book, um, and I call it tiny dancer, um, because of the way it moves, if I can bend down yeah. and show you. So if you see, if you take a look at it, the way it's curving around the stems and the branches all going in different mm. kind of wavy directions and that to me just has this real dancer like quality and a real kind of musical effect to it I feel like it's it's dancing and moving and yeah and really sort of going a bit mad it it, it it's beautiful now I can see it now that you say that and it's quite um irregular this moss isn't it it's yes. a sort of it pokes up in one bit and then goes down and then, yeah, it's as shaggy is a good name for it, I think. Yes. Sometimes the common names, uh, I think, are quite good and other times um, I'm not quite so into them. But you can, you can see why it's called that, little shaggy moss. Um, but for me, it's a dancer, so, so yeah. that's why it's, it's tiny dancer. Yeah, sorry, that is a better name. No, that <laughs> is a better name. <laughs> Well, I'm not competing, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying kind of what it suggests to me, really. <laughs> Beautiful. And do you, do, are you, you have a poem for this one, of course, in the book, don't, do don't you? I do have a poem for this one, and this one really is um, a bit of a mashup, which you might be able to tell and indicate from its name, Tiny Dancer. Red Green Baby, Woodland Lady, Seamstress for the Land. Ballerina, you must have seen her dancing in the ground. Come closer, tiny dancer, threading light along the way. Lay down amid the grasses. You had a busy day today. When you say lay, lay down amid the grasses, you're talking about the tiny dancer, but it makes me think, are we allowed to, um, now that I'm talking to you about moss and respect for moss and... Um, allowing it to be where it is. There is a great um, sort of urge that we can get to lie down on moss. <laughs> Are we allowed to do that? <laughs> I think you need to be a little bit careful with it. Um, so Tove Jansen has a, a quote about that, you know, which I'll paraphrase, which is, when you step on it once it may recover you know the next time that it rains but if you step on it twice it may not recover and the third time um, it will be dead um, so I mean that's not a scientific explanation of what will happen but it gets across you know the sense that we do need to be careful with it and not do too much disruption of it um, it does depend where the moss is and what condition it is. So, for example, if we were on a bog, you get really quite resilient, springy, waterlogged mosses. Um, but here in the woodland, they might be a bit drier and a bit more precious. Um, you know, we've talked about the fact that we're, we're not getting in amongst the trees here. We don't want to disturb the soil. Um, we don't want to impact on the mosses too much. So it does depend a little bit on where you are and the species and habitat and so on. 
Yes, it does. It actually feels quite dry, this moss. Yeah, surprisingly dry. I thought it might be um, a lot wetter, but being on a rock, it will be, yeah, it will be drier. That's beautiful. Thank you. Your book mentions beautifully um, your your dad. It's like almost, is it sort of like an ode to your father? Is that right? Yes, that's right. Um, so I started writing it really um, at the time of his death. And really, when you're mourning, I find that you're looking down a lot. And I was looking at the ground and I was really noticing the mosses. And mosses really came to be a sort of comfort to me in their softness, in their springiness, in their beautiful kind of silence um, and resilience, the fact that they grow in the tightest of spots, um, I find really encouraging. Um, And of course, they grow over gravestones. So, you know, we have that kind of quite intimate link between death and moss um, in a number of ways. So not just growing on gravestones, um, but even in their structure. So if we think about sphagnum mosses, um, you know, they are partly dead and decomposed sphagnum forms peat. Um, And so we have this really interesting example of how death and life can exist together, um, which is a lesson I think that the sphagnum mosses give. Um, And even when you look at them through a microscope, so we talked about sort of looking, getting closer and looking at the mosses. Um, But if you look at um, a slide of a sphagnum moss leaf, which is one of my favourite things to do, (laughs) um, you can see that they have sort of empty dead cells and then around them the living cells. And when you look at it through a slide, it looks like chain mail. And it's just really stunning, the effect. Um, But I think it also sort of just shows you visually that sense that you can be dead and alive and hold those two spaces together um, in a body. And that, to me, is a really powerful metaphor and and message, you know, if you're grieving, if you're mourning, but also just, you know, in everyday life, just just how we do move through, um, you know, without forgetting the losses that we carry, Um, but moving through with them and having them there and enjoying life at the same time. The book uh, doesn't forget your mother, who who I think is still alive. She is. Yes. Um, And living in Devon, is that right? right. Yes, Yes. where you're you're from Devon. Yes, that's right. So I've actually seen her this morning. I've come down (laughs) from seeing my mother, who is about... 25 miles northeast from where we are now. <laughs> but you live in Devon as well, don't you? I am in North Devon. Okay, okay. I've got at the back of my mind two favourite mosses that I would love to see today. And they're not rare mosses. So, um, in fact, one of them I have seen without mentioning, and I just kept that quietly to myself as we walked past. <laughs> um, but I will show you that in a moment. <laughs> So the first of those uh, favourite mosses is this one here on the tree, if you want to have a little... It's very hard not to stroke them. Yes. It's okay well, to stroke them, isn't it? Stroke. Yeah, I think we're okay. <laughs> 
Now you'll have seen this before because this one is very prevalent um, in this woodland and it was actually uh, at the start of our walk too but um, just kind of focusing in on it now very much a tree moss or it can be on rocks as well yeah can can be in a variety of places um, often on trees though so this is Isopecium myosoroides and the common name is mouse tail moss you might be able to see why yes. yeah that yes. kind of flowing mouse tails yes. um, but for me I felt like mouse tail was a bit unglamorous for this moss for me that kind of live movement that curving nature of the moss just suggested Marilyn Monroe <laughs> and so I've called this moss Marilyn <laughs> and there is a Marilyn poem if you'd like to hear that Oh furry mouse, oh feathered flounce, you catch between soft paws you pounce, such little wings, such tufted springs, a bounce, a bounce, a dance begins. You're a fan that spreads as heather, sprigs of heath and ostrich feather. Mousy you are not, your glamour has a sleek, seductive power. See the way your branch is lit, and how you move as though leaf tips were hips that sway, your leaves sachet through all the woodland's darker days. Oh, you are a moss parade, a firework, a bright cascade, showering light all down your body. Who are you? You are everybody who ever had a heart on show, a vulnerability that glows in spite of who's looking. You're bold, and so I cannot call you mouse, as though I don't see brightness bursting. But if monograms must hold, we'll keep MM with different wording. Mouse tail moss can go, but welcome, Marilyn Monroe. The smoothest moving moss that lived, the lithest and the silkiest. I take a breath each time I see you, shoulders back, I try to be you. Who cares if I don't quite make it? Just the strength to undertake it is enough for most, let's face it. Life can be dull and its light escape us. What if Marilyn had had her own Marilyn for brightness? Could we be our own lightness? So there are lots of legends associated with this woodland too, which I think you get a sense of when you reach these massive boulders like we have here, um, and the ones that are crossing over the river that almost look like a giant has put them down, you know, and the mosses over the gnarly branches um, I think we get that sense of some of these legends um, and so the name Wisman's Wood there's a lot of debate over where that's come from and some say it's from um, the association with druids and that Wisman means wise man's wood um, so that, that's one school of thought and then the word wished is uh, from Devonshire dialect and that means kind of eerie, pixie-led, haunted. Um, so you're told also not to be here after dark. Mm. Um, you might get carried away by hellhounds that come out at night. Um, so I think it's good that we're here in the sunlight. <laughs> but yeah, when you're moving through, I think, you know, at somewhere like this, in this kind of rocky, 
overrun landscape. This is where those legends start to surface in my mind a little bit. But would you would you come here at night? And do mosses appear different at night? Do you do you feel you want to come and visit them when it's dark? Um, I have not come to this wood at night. I have gone out looking at mosses. I don't find that there's a huge attraction at night time. So much of it is visual. visual. Um, and you can still obviously feel the textures, feel your way amongst the mosses. Um, but for me, I think in the sunlight, um, that's when you really get them at their fullest. Because so much for me in the mosses is to do with light and the way they capture the light um, and they hold the water and the way that's refract- refracted through. Um, so I think a lot of that is lost at night time for me. Okay, this is. I hesitate to say favourite moss because then I'm sort of, you know, showing preference amongst my moss friends. But this is certainly one that's very special to me. Um, Thuidium tamarisinum or glowflake. So you can see it's, it's got quite a different shape to the ones we've been looking at. I feel like it's more feathery. Okay, yes, more feathery, yes, yeah that sort of ethereal quality to it and Glowflake is the first poem that appears in the book and so it's the first moss that I talk about and I'll read that poem Glowflake, common tamarisk moss O love, O leaping heart O stag, O Pythagoras to believe your light is my light as if you weren't lit without me O hoof O bicycle, O bell, O travelling sailor flung from one port to another, O drop, O rain, O wellington boot on fennel, puddle, pedal across terrain, O to be four again. Imagine living next to somebody every day and to actively like them and yet not know them so that when they arrive at your door, fully grown and more intimate than a bone, is it politeness you practice or do you run, ecstatic through your repertoire of dances, oh furry antler branches, come in? Let me only now begin to respond to the thing we named you, common. Oh musical box, oh foxglove, oh elfin chicken wire, oh downy choir, oh quiet symphony, living with you is a luxury. Oh sugar mouse, oh leafy flounce, oh forest fleece, I apologise for the breach in naming. So let us begin again, old friend. Please, let me use my words that only come out at parties. Hummingbird, hawk moth, hill fluff, Hedge heart, oh flickering filament, oh chlorophyll, cinnamon, speckled shaman of the grass. I haven't come close, I don't like to impose. The lens is still in its case, oh heathery lace, oh field charm, oh glow flake, oh lemon face. Shall we go now to the place you always take me, to the soft quilt of ferny lilt, the place your name always conjures? so beautiful you read it so beautifully beautiful James it's really amazing um just wanted to see that pool before we go back yeah. when if you were to um, if you were to suggest anything to keen walkers about moss one is how to start to get to know moss 
and the other is how to respect and protect moss. What would be your your words for that? Yes, well, I would like to sort of um, enforce that idea of protection. So I get a sense of solace from being in the mosses, but I want to ensure that we as a species give that back to the mosses and they need it, um, particularly in peatlands. And so much of the peatlands are degraded, so about 80% of the peatlands in the UK, even higher, um, some estimate, are degraded. Um, and they're important also to us as carbon stores. And so once that peatland and those mosses are damaged, then the carbon is emitted into our atmosphere where we obviously don't want it. Um, so we need to keep it in the ground and in the mosses. Um, so I think just an awareness of that, that this is a species that we need to think about, um, be aware of how we impact the mosses and um, have that sense uh, of comfort that it gives us or can do, give that back to it and make sure that it's, it's not harmed any more than we already have. Um, so that's a message that I would like um, people to think about. Um, but then on that kind of more personal note of connection, I think it is this slowing down, um, that taking the moment to, to really look and engage with the moss. So partly you can do that through identification, of course. Um, so if you don't have a poem with you, if you happen to actually have a field guide with you, um, that might help you to get towards um, an identification, which in itself can be quite a slow process because you're taking out the hand lens, you're looking through that, you're working out the shape of the leaf, how many times it's branched, all those kinds of um, technical questions. But that slowing down, actually, um, in that time that it takes, there can be a kind of bonding process and a, a sense of exchange, I think, between yourself and the moss. Um, or take a poem with you, or write your own, kind of see what the, po what the moss suggests to you, um, because that's how the poems arose, just through time spent with the mosses and thinking about what else um, can I say about them and, you know, that I wouldn't find in a field guide. So as well as just their habitat and appearance, what else is suggesting um, itself to me? Like that, um, the, the dancing quality or the musical quality um, of the moss and all these different senses that, that you get when you slow down and stop and spend some time with them. With milder weather and longer days on the way, now is the time to dust off your hiking boots and enjoy the great British countryside. And wherever you go, whatever the terrain, Regatta Great Outdoors has the right footwear for any adventure. From grassy hills to rocky trails and even paved footpaths, there's a regatta shoe to suit your walking preferences. Discover lightweight trainers for day-to-day -day wear or walking shoes for multi-day hikes like the brand new Samaras 3. Combining comfort with performance, the Samaras 3 is available as a shoe and boot for both men and women and is ideal for all your hiking pursuits. Tech Foam InSock technology supports your foot, while an EVA midsole and shock-absorbing heel protects you from bumps along the way. Plus, it's waterproof and breathable, so your feet stay dry no matter the weather. Available to shop in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. Wow, I need to spend more time with moss. That's so beautiful and so soothing. And I love the poetry there. 
And well, what a wonderful person to take out. We do have Annabelle in the studio to talk a little bit more about your adventure down in Dartmoor. Plus, we have Hannah and Jack. So we've got the full team. Hello, everybody. Hello. 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 Good to see you. Good to see you back. And um, yeah, thank you, Annabelle, for taking us uh, off with, with Elizabeth Jane. Um, yeah, have you changed your approach to moss? In the... I definitely have a new respect for moss. <laughs> so because, yeah. um, you know, when she says you have to be really careful where you walk, you've got to be very respectful to moss and it makes you feel, it makes you think that the moss is sentient. <laughs> and mm. it's like, oh, don't tread on me. Um, but I do have a new respect for moss, but actually I do, I notice it more since uh, I met Elizabeth Jane. She's she's so passionate about it. It's just com- completely infectious. You know, you can't not, and I hope I'll keep it with me all the time, that idea that moss is, is very special and vitally important. And um, so I will give it huge respect. So characterful. Mm. Yeah, all the characters. Well, she yeah. brings out the character mm. and the personality in Moss so beautifully. Can you so take Elizabeth Jane with us when we go mossing? I like the idea of going mossing. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely take Elizabeth Jane with you if you went mossing. I would highly recommend her. She's quite little too, so she won't take up much space. <laughs> <laughs> She's moss-like. Um, Hannah, what did you did you? Uh, it's amazing. Did, Everything did you... about that podcast was like the perfect kind of soothing, relaxing experience. So, like the quality of the noise is really lovely. The sound of the waterfall in the background, and just how happy you are, Annabelle. It's like so lovely to hear you being so. Um, and self-conscious about your own joy. It was lovely, yeah, really for, lovely. For once, yeah. Thanks, Hannah. <laughs> no, but it, I did feel different. No, you really yeah. picked up on something there, Hannah, because I felt very relaxed with mm. her because she was so relaxed. Yeah. And um, it was just a really, she was just a fantastic companion to be with in that wood. And yeah, she's a really special person. So I think when, you know, I pick up on personalities when I'm when I'm walking and talking with people. I don't know if you do that, but... You know, if they're really soft and gentle, you just sort of become soft and well, gentle. Well, it's quite interesting that we're all talking in quite hushed tones at the moment. Fergus, <laughs> you started it off after we'd like listened to the end of that. And so we're sort of continuing this atmosphere of Jack, yeah. closeness. Jack, are you going to be able to continue? Drifting off, guys. Yeah, we're well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you still awake? It's not Jack? a snoozecast. <laughs> um, it's the soothing you, tones. Yeah, you, you converted to the world of moss. I'm all about moss now. <laughs> you sat so still for so long that you've actually become covered in moss. That's, that's the goal, isn't it? <laughs> I kind of like, yes, I like that sort of thing about she likes to be alone. That whole thing about walking with people and they, they're either too fast, too slow, not interested in what you're interested Well, I find this too. I find this a lot. You know, we talked about this the yeah, other day, didn't we? We did. I think that I think we didn't. We we agreed that both is good. Mm, yeah, yes, there are times yeah. when you just want to go for a walk and have a good chat and a catch up. Present and, company included. Yeah, yeah, and other times when you need to be alone. And um, I have a quote. Do you? I have a quote Ooh, um, that I discovered today, and it's from that famous naturalist George Harrison. Oh, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone should have themselves regularly overwhelmed by nature. Isn't that wonderful? That's the reason for the podcast. Yeah. We're trying to yeah. overwhelm people every week with yeah, some with bit nature. of nature. And it's hard to be overwhelmed by nature when often when you're with lots of other people. But it's easier to be overwhelmed by nature in a positive way when you're on your own, isn't it? So, 
the the other thing that struck me was the mourning for her father and the looking down that when you're mourning you look down and then you start to see well she was you know, looking at moss and that's when she started getting that connection with uh, i found that quite moving yeah. quite sort of when you are down you do look down maybe there is there's a way of sort of yeah finding a bit of solace even when you're looking down i kind of like that 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 idea I think, you know, she comes across as such a beautifully emotional person, but not with any drama. Just beautiful, kind of very in touch with her emotions, but not making it into a big deal or a big drama. That's what's really nice about her. Yeah, well. so grounded. I think I've said before, I I think uh, I always find it most in, if you go camping or something like that, early in the morning when you're somewhere it's not like a, a, a busy area and you can get up and it is just that really quiet you can still hear so much there's so much going on with the birds and stuff like that but you naturally just start to whisper because you don't want to disturb that sound you're you're the noise in that environment rather than normally mm. Mm. Okay. everything else is the noise that i've got to ask you all a question then are you a morning person or an evening person that uh, jack first evening completely evening really yeah, yeah just yeah. Do, do you just come alive in the evening yeah, I'm very much You're an owl. owl. Yeah, You're I do owl. not like getting up in the morning. Really? But I could stay up all night. Right. Hannah? I would say morning. Are you? I get up at half past four even if I don't mean to. Really? Yeah. What do you do? Give off a morning person vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what do you do with yourself? And <laughs> Just enjoy it. Oftentimes it's sunny at the moment, so... Are you up at 4.30 then? Every day? Not every day, but sometimes it just happens. Open all the windows, mm. let the sun in. So you're a lark. How about you, Annabelle? Um, I finally realised in life that I am neither. Really? <laughs> Controversial. I'm neither, yeah. No, I would like to be a morning person, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not a night person. Mm. But I'm struggling to get up in the morning, so I'd like to be a morning person. I'd like to wake up at 4.30. I'd love it. I think I'd like to wake up when the light comes up, really. Yeah. I bet I'm just going to... I think we should guess which one Fergus is... Well, I mean, it's fairly obvious. Don't you think it's obvious? No. I think morning. I think morning. Okay. Yeah. I'm morning, definitely. Yeah. Only because it's that is what you were just saying. It's the it feels like that the day has been scraped clean and you get a fresh start at it and it's like um yeah, no one else has touched it yet. So you get a chance to walk without anyone else. Well, that leads us on to our regular feature. What have we been up to? Sightings and happenings. Have you seen anything? Have you done anything in the countryside that's worth sharing with all our Global listeners. Oh, well, I went home to Gower this weekend. For your birthday. For my birthday, yes. <laughs> I saw the bunting from uh, from, from um, the borders. Yes, I made sure that um, it was copious. And I went to uh, Mumbles, where they are replacing sea defences at the moment. And I saw a really interesting thing that they're calling the sea hive. And it was a kind of experiment from Swansea University to see what kind of surface would be the best surface to cover these new sea defences with. So what would wildlife want to stick to? What kind of, what would be a nice environment for them? They're still working on it, as far as I know. I'm going to get in touch and find out kind of what it was that they chose in the end. But there was a beautiful collection of hexagons looking like a honeycomb of all these different weird textures, like rough ones and smooth ones and like ones that have had little things dug out of them. So that was super interesting and a really lovely engineering oh, project. Thoughtful. Yeah, yeah, goodness me. What a birthday. Great. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really clear like, all these different services to test out for the insects whether they like to climb around it or yeah. slip and, off um, or well, uh, barnacles the, and the shellfish and the crabs and it's this all underwater. Oh, it's underwater. It's underwater sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, go, it's going to be yeah. um, uh, because the tidal range is C E D A R. Oh, <laughs> cedar, cedar fences. Cedar fences. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I got any O's. Yeah. Four candles. Cedar fences. <laughs> I was like, well, okay, interesting, staring at, staring at fencing. I think that's the best joke of the whole podcast yeah, yeah. it's ever been. You've, yeah. It is four candles all over C- again. C- no, four candles. <laughs> Actually, the tidal range in Swansea is the second largest <laughs> in the world. So for a really long period of time, that um, they're exposed during the day. So it will be to uh, keep things kind of safe and moist and happy and good. Well, when the tide's out and then yeah. they're joyful when it comes back. Oh, brilliant. Lovely. How wonderful. How about you, Annabelle? Um, this week, um, I did, actually. I saw some lovely I saw some lovely things. But I would just, could I just also mention that this month is Love Your River Month. And that, and, and Elizabeth Jane and I were walking along the West Art. And it was only a small, small part of it. It was really, we weren't, didn't get, you don't get very far with Elizabeth Jane. That's it's a moss, and yeah. then there's another moss, and it's, it's a really sweet little journey. But love your river month, and um, so that was. Not, but I wasn't on a. I was on a. Well, I was on a stream this weekend. I was near, in your part of the world. Yes, um, Fergus, uh, the Banaybachinyog. That one, I was there, and I actually rang you to ask you about a wildlife moment because I needed to work out what was going on. So, I was on this huge plateau up at the top of. Clangatic escarpment. That one. And um, on the plateau is like a loch, but I don't know what you call it in Wales, but it's like a little loch. Clean, clean. Clean. And there were many, many, many swifts darting all over it. And I thought, I'm a bit confused about why you're here. As beautiful as you are, flying quite low. I mean, it's kind of going to sound obvious now, isn't it, that they were collecting. But I didn't realise, Fergus, you told me that they fly a long way from their nest to collect food. Yeah. And how f- up to... Well, they can do miles and miles and miles. I mean, I don't know if it's exactly, ridiculous. Yeah. If the Crazy. weather's bad yeah. and the insects are not flying, they will go 50, 60 miles to go and feed because they can make that distance on their sort of brilliantly efficient... They've got these thin wings which make the most of any little sort of um, breath of air or whatever, and they can scythe their way there, find insects. So they go up to the... That's that's called Puch Puch Gwyr Rock. Oh, it was which amazing! We, which was featured on our podcast before, but and all the cairns oh, up I love on the it. plateau, which I didn't know anything about before. What a cairn! You'll was. have to listen to my podcast where I went there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what number is that? Uh, yeah, it's number one hundred and thirteen. I I went down to well near Gower, but to Pembrey, um, which is really cool and lovely, and I recommend going. But I also it was where I experimented with my new. The podcast mobile wagon. Yes, the wagon. There's a the plodmobile. The plodmobile. We have a podcast camper van. No, I, I have uh, a, I have a camper van for the yeah. first time in many years, and what a joyful thing! It's like it's the house in the country, and I think we should have a podcast camper adventure. I agree. So it, cool. How many bedrooms does it have? It has two bedrooms, but four berths. So um, we'll have to kind of draw the long straws <laughs> that is a whole new yeah. relationship for okay. us on our podcast and we can't wait 
I've got a should, tent. Should we? Yeah, that, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it'll probably be me and Jack in the tent, and you two in the. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's so too. probably the way. It, Thanks, so. Fergus. Well, that's what we've all been up to. Some entertaining adventures. We'd love to hear what you've been up to, though. So do get in touch and send us your thoughts and whatever you've seen in the countryside, particularly if you've recorded something. You can send recordings and emails to me and the team. Our email address is editor at countryfile.com. And I think, Jack, as guardian of the podcast postbag, we've got a few. We've got a few treats. We have indeed. Yes, I've got a letter here from Mark. And Mark has written in to say, Every year I make my trek north from Cambridgeshire to conduct the BTO BBS survey as an upland ranger. Upland rangers cover survey squares that are difficult to access and are underrepresented. I've grown very attached to my square, Thorpe Forest in southern uplands in the borders, watching the changes over the years. Sometimes I camp out the night before for added adventure. Laying out in my bivvy bag in the heather on top of weather law, watching the sun set on the mountains, and catching the sunrise has its own magic. I've never seen anyone else on my visits. Mark sent in a recording. He says, of a gold crest. Uh, it does say it's a bit faint, but I think it's pretty, pretty fine. Should we, should we listen to it? Let's give it a listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a gold crest. It's so good. Sweet. Yeah, it's lovely. It's a little jingling of like so sweet. How would you describe that? Little. Mm. It's little. it's sort of insistent. It's like someone uh, almost mechanical. Like you sort of something squeaking against something else. Like you're trying to like get a uh, cork out of a wine bottle and it's squeaking oh, yeah, as yeah. you're turning That's it around. That's nice. Or a squeaky chair. Mm, yeah. Or a pogo stick. I I think this gold crest recording and letter deserves. A book from the podcast library. Uh. Jack's right. We've got a lovely book for you. In fact, it's Elizabeth Jane's book about moss, um, 12 Words for Moss, published by Alan Lane. Brilliant book, which encompasses all her experiences in the countryside, her uh, poems, her adventures with moss, and a lot of her sort of philosophy of being out in nature and what it does for you, particularly as you talked about grieving well, also, as um, Elizabeth Jane said in the podcast, you know, when you go out on a walk, maybe take some moss poetry with you. And so hopefully that the book will encourage the listener to go out with her book. Absolutely. Take, and, take, take this book and yeah, into the world of and moss. And make your own notes, maybe, in the book. I always think that's OK, isn't it, to write notes in a book. Well, guys, we've been here so long, moss has grown over us. So I think it's probably time to bring this lovely podcast in. And it's lovely to see you all. Annabelle, thank you and for your adventure with Elizabeth Jane. And thank you to Elizabeth Jane for sharing all her thoughts and wonders with us. Join us again next week. We're out for another adventure in the countryside. But for now, it's goodbye. Whether it's gloriously sunny or a spring downpour, you can always get outdoors with regatta. So what are you waiting for? Find a route, grab your walking shoes and start exploring. 
Regatta Great Outdoors offers all types of performance footwear, from technical hiking boots for regular ramblers to durable walking shoes for the whole family. With waterproof and breathable qualities, shock-absorbing comfort and superior grip, Regatta footwear is designed to withstand whatever challenges Mother Nature throws your way. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com.